Hey everybody, welcome to Sweet Boy in Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at the inner meaning of the Ten Commandments, specifically the one about not taking the name of God in vain. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host tonight. This is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hey, Curtis. And uh, we are going to ask you right up front to like and subscribe if you haven't already. That helps the video, and just take a risk. Like and subscribe if you don't know if we're going to say anything good. That's right. Uh, best practices, YouTube best practices. We're following up this week from the show we did last week, which was about the spiritual meaning of names. And there was a segment we wanted to include in there about the taking the name of God in vain. But it, it, the topic was so dense and so intense that we uh-huh. realized, no, we got to do this. No, no, no. Give no, it right. its own live echo right. show. And this is also a continuation, that, uh, you could say, of a long time ago, we did a show about the inner meaning of the first commandment which was about having no other gods before my face, because these are a set of rules that God is supposedly dictating to people, and they include some uh, sort of counterintuitive, bizarre stuff. And I think maybe none more bizarre than this commandment we're going to look at mm. tonight. And that, let's get into it, but um, I feel like we got to get every, you know, everyone's going throughout their day, they're thinking about all sorts of things. we got to kind of set the mental sphere. So what okay. if we do like our icebreaker? You mm. know, we'll, we'll answer a question, you guys will answer it with us, and it'll get us all in the mood. Good? Sounds good. Okay. All right. Everyone out there? Just kidding. You can't. I can't hear you. Okay. Let's go anyway. So let's open this topic of, you know, names in the name of God. And the question we thought could really do that for us is as follows. What name or quality, and as a spoiler alert, they're like the same thing. Ah. Of God feels particularly meaningful to you, and why? Mm. Mm. Particularly mean like what, out of God's greatest hits. Right. What's the top one? Just it's, say it. it's kind of maybe trite, but uh, not really. It's like that idea of love, such intense love, and so personal. And yet that same love is going out to people who are very, very different, yeah. you know, and everybody and everybody's being brought along with this kind of eternal love. Yeah. So I'd say that kind of eternal love and wisdom, uh, the, the more I sit with that, the more astonishing that is to me and, yeah. and, and a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, I would just want to expand on that. Um, the idea that God is the admirable qualities in people, that, that if you ah. see like when you get to really see integrity and understand it, that, that wherever you see it, you're sort of seeing like a little facsimile of God, you know, and that God is, is um, caring, protecting, all these things uh-huh. that are so cool. Uh, the, the idea that those, those are, you're seeing an image of God in that, mm. which I, I've heard that kind of phrase tossed around a lot of times before, but it, it's starting to hit me in a new way that this is... Just like you could see a painting and say, oh, that, I can kind of see that's like Michelangelo or like Picasso. That when you see something noble and good, like, that's what reminds ah, me of God. That's like, right. That's pretty fun. Oh, yeah, so, especially when it's like larger than life or, yeah. you know, I mean, some beautiful quality and beyond human. I forgot to say, you guys, we want to hear your answer to the question too. So if you're in the chat, what, what do you, what's a particularly meaningful aspect or qual- name of God to you? Uh, and uh, we want to see at the end of the show. Now, do you have a particular name that strikes you well? I mean, I do like the name Jesus Christ. 
I do. Yeah, I feel I, like when I hear that name, some give me some kind of little shot of spiritual yeah. energy. But do you have I, one? I, I I like Jesus and I like the Lord. Like they, I I go back and forth between yeah. those two, but I like those names. Yeah, because Swedenborg uses the Lord uh, in place of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's me, right. All over. So I certainly anyone who grew up around Swedenborg stuff, you're going to have this affection for that. So those are a couple of examples. I know you can't do a better answer than that, but <laughs> <laughs> but try. No, blow us out of the water. Unfair advantage that we have. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what you guys said at the end of the show. I feel ready now. Let's see if we can get into this heady, complex topic, which mm. is this, this commandment. Here we go. Explain the name of God. Probably the spookiest title we've had for this live yeah. show, man. And, and so, the spooky music. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like the like spooky that really spooked up the level of spookiness. So w- let's take a look at our our subject material here. We're trying to explain the commandment. We haven't even read the commandment. Would you be willing to, okay, to do that for sure. us? Sure. The second commandment. Here's Exodus twenty verse seven. You shall, and this comes in various different translations, but here's the one we're using tonight. You shall not utter the name of Jehovah your God, or sometimes the Lord your God, unworthily, because Jehovah will not render innocent the person who utters his name unworthily. Two things about this stand out to me. Making it a relatively bizarre commandment uh, of the ten. First of all, why I understand why um, not murdering is on there. But is is right. is not t- taking not killing. In, that's right. Not not defrauding take, other bad stuff like that. Right. Does does saying God's name in an inappropriate context really qualify? Oh, like why is God so bent out of shape about like don't get my name out of your mouth? You and know? it ranks way higher <laughs> than even, even killing. Like you get to yeah. that way before you know killing's down the list somewhere. And so, like, why would that is is he does he have an ego situation or something? He's upset about the way people talk about him or something. That that seems to have been the the way it comes across. You get this like classic Old Testament vengeful, jealous mm. sort of petty seeming God. And not only that, there's this follow up clause there that says, "Don't do this, and you're not going to get away with it. I'm not going to hold you innocent." If you do this, yeah, there's no way to get out of the punishment, and it's really striking when you think about it. If I'm remembering my Ten Commandments right, the that's the only one that really has a clause, a threat. Like the murder doesn't yeah. say, or you're gonna get it. Yeah, you know, that's right. Don't bear false witness, or you know, your teeth will fall out or something. Yeah, it doesn't say anything like that. There's no consequences in that specific form in the rest of the list. Just the name one. So it's cranked up, so it's number two on the list, and it's got this big uh, penalty associated. So with. is that some kind of maniacal dictator that, okay, don't murder someone, that's not good, but don't disgrace my name, that's the big one. Well, it, 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 can't, it can't be, because aren't we always saying on the show, God is love, and... Yeah. I mean, really, he's got a huge ego or something, that, well, and, and that ranks, that, that makes the Ten Commandments his ego or something? How how could somebody who is love issue a commandment like this? Well, here we are getting all worked up about this commandment, but actually, all the rest of the time, we come across commandments like this in a lot of situations, and nobody gets worked up about those. I can't think of one. For example, this is a bottle of bleach, and on this bleach, there is a commandment. Is there? Written. Yeah, if you take a look at the warning label here. I never saw that. It says, 
Do not use or mix with other products as hazardous gases may result. Oh, that's bizarre. It's even got the two parts, doesn't it? Yes. The command, don't use or mix with other products. Yep. And here's why. Hazardous gases may result. You know, if you mix that with ammonia, that's, that's a serious situation. And nobody, even though we were so upset about the, the God commandment, nobody is saying, like, how dare you take that tone? Right. What are you, some what, vengeful? What, what does bleach have all this ego or something that you're we, bossing me around? We bought this. We can't even use it the way that we want to use it. I know. We it. paid our money, and you and can't even like, do what you want. How much of a control freak are you? You're telling me I can't mix this with other no, houses? No, you substances. take it as just like, hey, they know this is a potent, potent substance. Yeah. And they want to warn you. How would you know otherwise? It's yeah. just a warning, right? So... Could it be that there's a similar dynamic going on here mm. with our commandment? Yeah, okay. So if you thought of the inner meaning uh -huh. of the commandment, what would it be like? It would be as if you'd have a Clorox label, and instead it would say, do not use or mix holy things with evil purposes. To do so will create a hazardous and toxic spiritual state. Now that's a much different feel. There's yeah. not, there none of all those questions we brought up before. Are you vindictive? Are you petty and jealous and all that? None of that applies to that no, warning. It no, so, no, that, that's a loving warning to say, hey, you may not understand what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, there's something about what my name means that you can't mess with except at your peril. You know, I mean, there's, yes. there's, there's something very important in there. And that actually is what Swedenborg says. You know, he doesn't use those exact words, but that's a very good summary Wasn't that, I, I of, that was of, uh, quote. of um, what this commandment is really talking about. And you might say, how so? Aren't you just changing it into something more palatable? Well, this is the steps we take, and this is where it ties in with our show last week on names. Because there we learned, spiritually, the name equals the quality. Mm. So the name of God is all the divine qualities of God. Ah, so that would be why you had us think about the qualities of God at the beginning. Yeah. It said the name and quality of God. Okay, that's yep. good. And it also like has that. to do, Swedenborg says the name of God also has to do with the way that God is represented, particularly in religion. So this is Oh, because that is sort of how you encounter. Yeah. Like that's information about, it's almost like the clothing or something. Like that's how you encounter, that's how you form an image right. of God, right? Well, this is how Swedenborg puts it in True Christianity. In the spiritual meaning, the name of God stands for everything that the church teaches on the basis of the word. Everything through which the Lord is called on and worshipped. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, all that sort of like code of behavior, ritual. Because that's that, what you're doing. You can yeah. get lost in the details, but really what you're doing is calling on the Lord. And so that's his name that you're yeah. using to call on him. Taken together, all these are names for God. Taking God's name in vain then means misusing any of these things. Misusing. Misusing. So there we've got to start to our so definition how, how there. So what, what level of... Yeah. Like you could... I, I don't know. It, well, it seems confusing because you think about something holy like the quality of God and love and all that. How could you misuse it? How do you misuse it? Well, right. it's very easy to misuse good things. For example, this is a oh. hammer right here. And it's a great thing. You can't really build a lot of stuff without a hammer. But if you are trying to hammer a nail and it accidentally goes a little bit off of where it's supposed to be, bam, I've had like a definitely a black thumbnail for quite <laughs> some time from that. Yeah. This can cause all kinds of damage. Like I, even like holding it here, I'm oh, like, whoa, can, don't poke yourself in the you eye You can totally it. use that as a deadly weapon. So no problem. Yeah. Similarly, uh, ideas are like tools. 
So all these things that pop up in religion, and I, you don't need us to tell you that, they can be twisted. So the misuse of a truth yeah. in order to do harm, like using a hammer yeah. to hit someone with it or something like that. That, Yeah, I see. Okay. This is Secrets of Heaven. Swedenborg talks about it. Properly understood, uttering the name of God unworthily stands for putting the truth to evil purposes. Oh, now here we go. He's explaining it. Okay, putting that the is, truth to evil purposes. Okay. Yep. When we know the truth but still engage in evil, likewise it is using what is good for false purposes. Mm. That is, when we live virtuously but do not believe in virtue. Oh. And that still might be a little confusing, but let's take a look at those two phrases. And those two phrases both kind of go back to Swedenborg's great dualism. Yes, he's got these yeah. great duality, even two dualities yeah. or something. That Dual dualities. Good versus evil, truth versus falsity. I don't know yeah. whose executive decision it was to put the falsity and evil on my side of the screen, but yeah. I, I, will, I will take that on. I'll I think it was divine providence. And yeah. so this the truth wants to marry good and good wants to marry truth. Same with falsity and evil. And they, they belong together. And those are, yeah. the, even evil and falsity are a better pair yeah. than these ones that this commandment's talking about. Well, you look here, this is the first phrase he uses, putting the truth to evil purposes. If we do that, we're crossing this oh. divide here. So that's like you've got an evil heart, you've got a cold, vicious heart, and you're saying, oh, but a way that I could do this yeah. was wrap myself in a cloak of religion and respectability and yeah. people weep over that stuff and so I'll manipulate people, you know, right? Exactly. It's so like evil purposes using that truth. And you may even be, you know, I'm going to teach people things that actually are existentially true, but I'm going to do it in a way that I either sort of mislead people using those or I'm going to misuse my position from that to gain... I, I benefit and whatever, yeah. Yeah. Ego or you get money or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, put, puts right. you in a position to cause all kinds of harm. What, what about the other one? So the other one is using what is good for false purposes and it may sound like we're splitting hairs, but this would be like you're doing some kind of good act, but it's to mislead people into thinking you're a different kind of person ah. than you are. Okay, so that's like hypocrisy or yeah. something like you're... Trying to oh you know you're you're just radiate goodness yeah. and and well, kindness and love but actually you're just deceiving people with yeah. that it's the same kind of cold-hearted thing yeah like I'm gonna oh no I'll come and uh, fix this pipe for free so that you you like me as a plumber and then I'm gonna come back and gouge you for stuff you don't need right so this so this is the this is the situation where we're starting to break the second commandment here so mixing okay. going across so the divide there going across okay that right. leads to this toxic spiritual state uh, that Swedenborg calls profanation which is a real problem this is from Revelation explained we profane the name of God inwardly when we live contrary to the requirements in the Ten Commandments because the name of God means divine truth or the word and profaning it means denying the word's holiness, having contempt for it, rejecting it, and blaspheming it. This is not just sort of doubting it or thinking something in it's weird. This yeah. is an absolute all-out attack on, yeah. on, on Scripture. And, and not even like just religious texts, but the principles behind them. You know, the, yes, right. The, the idea whole thing is absurd. Right. It's dumb, and right. I'm, I'm going right against it. Like, who right. cares? No, I, like, I know that if I hurt someone else, they hurt just like I would hurt, but I don't care. That's, I don't care. That's the problem. Profanation can either be inward, but not at the same time outward, or it can be inward. This is classic Swedenborg Isn't it? complex metaphysics. Great. Or it can be inward and outward at the same time, or there can even be some profanation outwardly without inward profanation occurring at the same time. So, 
So that that there's multiple levels to it. Yes. Yeah, and right. what you should get types. Yeah, we profane inwardly by how we live and outwardly by what we say. Oh, interesting. And you would think how we live might be an outward thing. Yeah. But he says no, really your life that represents what's in your will or your heart. And so inwardly is by treating people poorly. Yeah. The other might just be the words that you fling out there. They're both bad. Yeah. But one's even worse than the other one. So, I mean, we want to show that that um there's complexity to it, and we're not trying to get too specific about how, how much have I done this, how much have I not done it. And even though right. spoken words can have a harmful impact, we really the core of the second commandment is about our inner goals, right? That what what are we trying to get get accomplished? What are we right. putting above everything? If you've really got an evil heart in there, and you're just using these things of spirituality or other people's goodness or yeah. whatever to try to have this effect. You know, it's just manipulation, yeah. it's hypocrisy. And and before we run out and accuse everyone of this, as we would love to do, you never know. You never know somebody you else's. Don't know. You don't right. even really know your own spiritual state, but you, there's a, cla a lot of classic examples of this. You know, there, there's there, fruit can look good on the outside, but yet have a rotten core to it. That's right. Or you can have some ugly, worthless-looking rock that actually turns out to be a geode that's got all these cool crystals inside yeah. it. Well, just like you know, you people that end up doing these horrific things, people say, "I never expected them to do yeah. it." They seem such right. such a such nice a person. Nice person. Right. And it, that's right. And it's like a classic. Or you get some people who are sort yeah. of grumpy and always sort of, you yeah. know. Yeah, all this stuff, but actually they've got a heart of gold, isn't what they? Like my friend Dr. They, Jonathan Rose. Isn't that here. what they always say? Yeah, yeah grumpy, exactly. but has a heart of gold. So uh, because <laughs> that's there, um, you, you'd never know for sure. But it still is useful to learn these principles so that we can try to move ourselves more and more away from any level of of breaking the commandment. And we're going to take a look at the second half. Um, why we know what's the problem with okay. mixing? That's the problem. But why but is there this second half? This like okay, it's a bad thing, but so is murder. But you didn't have this follow up. Hey, I'm not going right. to let you I'm get away with it. I'm not forgiving that. Yeah. What's so that about? Let's find out in part three. Again, God is not interested in bossing anybody around. Like that's not, the, for, right. for the, what we describe as bossing around is just a love of being in control and, and having your will be other people's command. And that's the opposite of God, but yet you still have these strong statements you know, from the divine in the book. Warnings of danger and yeah. things like that, yeah. It's to keep you spiritually safe and healthy. Because that is a divine goal, to mm. keep you safe. And that's what this all is. So can you give us a refresher on this commandment, please? Okay, let's look at Exodus 20, verse 7 again. You shall not utter the name of Jehovah your God unworthily, because Jehovah will not render innocent the person who utters his name unworthily. So not render innocent yeah. seems, uh, the old language said, will not hold someone innocent. Or, you know. It almost seems redundant, you know, but it's got to be in there. For a reason, and Swedenborg is saying that that deliberate, lifelong misuse of religion in the ways we were describing before, for personal gain, to abuse, to get power, and all that, that can lead to this this uh, mixing that we, is called profanation, causing right. problems. And it's it's actually the nature of the damage that breaking this commandment causes because it's so problematic. That's why you have this warning. This warning is actually a description of the damage caused. So you say, like, it says, will not render yeah. innocent or something. Actually means in the order, it's like a law of gravity. You yeah. cannot. Some things, 
it's a powerful teaching that Swedenborg makes that sometimes good and evil things, or like in this case, evil and the truth, yeah. or good and falsity, can get so mixed up that you can't separate them out. Anymore. And that even God can't just do it, which might sound like blasphemy, but we did a whole blasphemous show. Can't God do about, anything he wants? Yes, about what Swedenborg says are the sort of the divine fences where God is, is order so much that... And anyway, I don't have to explain the concept because it, we did it here, but it's kind of like, could you ever hurt a child? I couldn't do that even though you could. You couldn't because of your morality. Amplify that times a million. God is like the law of gravity. So you say, yeah. oh, you can't just say, oh, I'll just undo the law of gravity right, right. now. You know, he's, he's in that law. So, yeah. so that does mean there are certain things that he won't do because this is the order that he created. Yeah. You know? And so this kind of... Um, mixing of holy and evil things that we do if we break this commandment repeatedly falls under the category of really, really, really hard to repair. This is really, really bad. Yeah, we're not talking about just having a normal situation where you have certain mixed motivations yeah. or in one state you're, you're feeling pretty good and, and you're sort of in a holy or meditative yeah. state or something. And then another time you're sort of having filthy thoughts or something yeah. like that. It, it's, it's not talking about something no. that sort of every day or even things where you slip up or you you did the wrong thing or, or yeah. whatever. It's, it's not talking about that. It's talking about a deliberately chosen lifelong mixing of these two things together, getting religion on the outside, and then you've got corrupt purposes on the inside. And what we want to communicate here very strongly is that none of you are committing profanation. I mean, I can't know that for sure, but you, you're not. I mean, we were debating even, is it good to even talk about this subject? Because it's some, the thing in Swedenborg people get most hung up on. Yeah, it's like, this oh, seems am to I, be the one that's, am sort of, I, oh, oh, am I, you know, am I doing it this? is kind of terrifying. Am I know? irreparably damaged? But, but yeah. no, if you're worried about it, you're not doing it. Like, profanation is not, oh, I've messed up and I've done this and I don't it's know not how. It's a neurotic thing. No, <laughs> this is like, I'm, I, uh, this, the profanation mindset is, I, the only reason I'm not telling people why I'm doing all this evil stuff joyfully is because I don't want to get caught and I want to build. This is like, this is not a mixed motive kind of, oh, so I. This is cold-hearted, strategic yes, use of these you're things. You're not out so. there looking for the truth and trying to find YouTube shows while you're, you know, to, to talk <laughs> right. about religious stuff. Right. So this is, this is something that is, yeah, as we said, purposeful, deliberate, and when it's done purposefully and deliberately over a long period of time can cause like whole religious epochs. To, to die. Oh, that's Swedenborg right. said the, Swedenborg the earliest church fell because of this merging of the self-centeredness with religious teaching. So this is how he describes it in Secrets of Heaven. Where the church existed, appetites started to control people. Oh. Appetites not being for food, but for power and those sorts Always of things. Always a problem. It also says that people forged ties between the teachings of faith and their cravings hardening themselves in evil and falsity. And again, I don't think this is cravings for ice cream. This is no. like, I want to have all the wealth in the world. Yeah. I want to control everybody. I want to be worshipped as a god. You know, that, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And when they forge those ties between the teachings of faith and then they weave it right in with their self-centered goals. The Nephilim, Swedenborg says, these, the, that, those characters in the Bible correspond yeah, to those who merge the teachings of faith with their desires, and in this way, under the influence of self-love, there's the key. Dreamed up appalling delusions about their own importance compared to that of other people. Yeah, so that picture of the giants yeah. is like they despise everybody else is small in their eyes. Like yeah. I'm huge. I'm you know, and it's because they've taken this thing. We're supposed to be humble before God. Yeah, but they've taken this thing and made themselves into a god. 
And that's really bad. That's what we're talking about. And we don't have to um, educate all of you that this is, exists. I mean, this is oh, in I the thought this was just in the ancient times or something. This is in the headlines. In the middle, this huge scandalous report was released about priests uh, using their, their position yeah. and their holiness to abuse, sexually abuse tons of children. Right, that this we we've seen all all this yeah right we, we've That's seen all stuff. kinds of examples of people using their religious scripture to justify murders and hatred and terrorism and all that we've used uh, there's all kinds of oh you, you you won't find a like a racial superiority group that doesn't have a religious ideology woven right. into that yeah right right in together there yeah. hate and religion. Yeah, that's right. Perfect, perfect partners. So this is a this is a problem, and you see, we're talking sort of on the individual level. Oh, it causes so much harm to you, but we see the harm it causes to society, and we we're right in the middle of this melee because on YouTube we get a lot of people coming here like, don't you guys talk about Bible religion kind of stuff because religion is evil, right? And that's what it does. Yeah. When you're there's a perfect example, isn't it? Yeah. That that has been profaned for those people. That's like right. Anything that has a whiff of religion in it is so wrecked for them yeah. that they, they, they can't hear anything because it's like, oh, it's religion, I can't, yeah. I can't deal. And because of the actions that people under the guise of religion take that are so harmful, now you have people who don't want to give religion the time of day. Mm. And anything that sounds like religion, uh, anything that ha talks about God or life after death or anything, they're like, no, that's, that's all evil. So then that's robbing those people of the potential to find things that could really be helpful right. to them. Because ultimately the Lord's purpose is to have this whole system that helps you go from hell to heaven, yeah. that helps you get to be a better person. And if that thing gets corrupted, it's, it's really bad for a lot of people. So there's all kinds of there's all kinds of current examples about this on the societal level, uh, based on it happening on the individual level. If we go back to those two phrases that we had here, you know, this this is a major drain on the human race. Yeah, this is a, why this made the number two commandment. Yeah, <laughs> why it made the number two slot right. was that we actually do this as people, and we sometimes do it collectively, where we've got some evil purpose, and then we think, hey, yeah. well, this religion thing's pretty cool. Seems to move a lot of hearts. Maybe I can use that. That would yeah. be powerful. I was just I was just watching two things on the web. One was this clip in a hotel who was like sort of a missionary um, mm. and the hotel staff had angered him and he was just trying to punch him, you know? And he was saying like, you've angered Jesus. Like he was saying like, hey, you better obey. And he just so like- being physically violent and, and saying and call the name of that Jesus. because you're not doing what I want, you're disobeying Jesus. When really it was, they were disobeying him and he's fused, it seems like you can never know right. someone's state, but sure. you fused your idea of that's an image Jesus, at any rate of, yeah. of the fusion of those things. Like what I call Jesus is really my ego. So anything that offends my ego is offended God. How are you going to go and then teach that guy? Like, no, Jesus was this guy who came and had love for everyone and said, love your enemies. It's all going to go in the wrong ear. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. That's so you have that. Um, and then I saw this thing about these uh, predatory televangelists who who send people like you send them a, a little donation and they send right. one back like here's three things and i saw this guy who was saying hey somebody out there who's in credit card debt who just can't get out you got a thousand dollars you know put that on your credit card send it to us and god will get rid of your credit card debt right do you have like this is destroying somebody's life yeah that's right that's bad it's amazing that's bad and if that's not just a temporary mistake or sort of an idea that you had one day. Yeah. But if that's a lifelong pattern. That, that can you describe. You know, if that's deliberate. 
It causes it has toxic, toxic results for, for the, sure for the person who's doing it, and 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 it spills over into others. Secrets of Heaven eight 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 two backs us up here. When this happens within someone, heavenly things become combined with infernal things. Oh, that's what you the, want to avoid. The perpetrators we're talking about here, not the victims. Yeah, that's right. This combination cannot be dissolved, and thereby the person restored to wholeness, except through a process that completely deprives the person of spiritual life. Oh well, so that treatment is a bit extreme. It's you it's, know, it's a little yeah. bit like you get something in your body that's so bad you just have to amputate. You I don't. Mean, that's yeah. the level. Right? You don't want to have to go through that process. A person in such a state of mind cannot be made whole. Cannot this be is made what whole. is meant by the words that immediately follow. Jehovah will not render innocent the person who utters his name unworthily. It means warning. This creates a toxic state, and the only way to deal with it is to pull out the good and the bad, and yeah. you're left with almost nothing at the end of all that. And this is something, if, if there really is a spiritual condition like this, we should see physical uh, examples of processes that work like this, and we're going to give you one right now. Okay. As if we haven't had enough props. Oh, oh and there's more to come. Okay. So we got a blender here. And All Dr. Right. Jonathan Rose has some disgusting, and has some lovely, disgusting, rotten fruit. Rotten fruit. Yeah. And this, just to drive the point home, I've had like an Doesn't aversion good, to right? bananas since I was little, since I was a kid. <laughs> so and, he's really going out and on this, limb so to here me, for this. The idea of eating that stuff, blah. Okay, so that mm. Swedenborg says disgusting stuff can actually correspond to or be a representation of. The stuff that makes up hell. Love of power, love of dominion, right. all that. So this fruit has been corrupted by some evil desire yeah. or some, you know, lack of compassion. Let's say you stuff. started loading that into your heart. Okay. Here. We're going to start with the foulest parts. Just drop that in there. And Throw you might say, on the other things. hand, though, you got oh. something good. Oh, like they're truth. slimy. You see, you have like this beautiful, life-giving, clear, clean liquid mm. that makes the body work, that does everything. If you've already got that stuff in there and you want to add this, you might just think, okay, well, the truth will clean it up or I, this, this is no problem. I'll put a little the bit truth of truth in here. surely clear that up. And that this, you know, we'll just get this back out again. But if through those kind of activities that we're describing, you're going and mixing this stuff together. and, and Someone the, has deliberately, perversely mixed them together. Then... Um, Ooh, that is disgusting. You can see bits. In <laughs> what we're saying is, okay, now will you, let's just get the water back out. Okay, we can just get the water right. No, there's no, every molecule of water is next yeah. to a molecule of something disgusting. That, so this, the, 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 the water is ruined and it's not, like God is saying, look, you cannot just like pour the water out of this. It's the same thing now. So that's the problem. It's become the same thing. Because that's <laughs> why it cannot be rendered innocent. There's no way to render that. Yeah. Water, declare that water clean or whatever. It's been. It's not that God did that. It's just that the person mixed those together so much that you cannot get them separate. I, without Are major, okay? without major <laughs> processes there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should just throw just this get out. rid of that there. Yeah. But that's not to say. So that that's the that's just a, the heinous nature of using holy things to harm people. But it's not to say that whenever we have bad and evil. In, in uh, I mean, good and evil inside of us, that that's the same condition. You can have plenty of bad things going on, but it's fine. For example, in a previous episode, we had this pipe cleaner tree, and we were talking that's about right. spiritual temptations and how even if, let's say, the, the blue represents negative things, 
The other ones, these like magenta kind of red ones, uh, represent good things. difficult stuff in your heredity yeah. or junk that you did when you were no, younger. No, I, I have a whatever, tendency you know. to lose my temper. Mm -hmm. or this, I do this thing bad. I do right. that. And you're a mixture of things. That's so is that profane? Is that like that's that going to put you down no. to hell and throw everything out? Because if the core, if, if at the core you're not deliberately, intentionally living your life with the purpose of harming mm. people, when you're actually trying to be a good person, yeah. It, even intermittently, even at all, then actually the bad stuff is just kind of peripheral. And when you go through temptations and processes, mm. these rotten, rotten the um, Bible says fruits, branches can the be... Things that, yeah, that's right. Right. So that what cannot be shaken will remain. That's right. And, and we, that can be taken away from us if we're, if we're holding that lightly or we're working away from it or something. That's something that we can overcome. That's why that other commandment is... That won't be. That can't be rendered innocent. You know, right. that mixture like this. This. This is okay. This is where most of us neurotic people are. You know. That's right. And we talk more about this in this episode right here. What temptation is? Because temptation mm. is the process of shaking those leaves off. Um, so, if if at some level we're trying to resist the things that we know aren't good, and we have to be doing it perfectly, but if we're trying to do it at some level. We are a pipe cleaner tree, if that's inspiring to you. Yeah, or what? that's right. Um, and the truth can purify us because it's being used properly right. to try to cleanse us of those other things. So you may have heard uh, of Ben Franklin. He was an American folk oh, hero. I remember Ben. Uh, and he's, as a tr there's an attributed saying to him, which is, oh, oops, it's right here. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Ah, uh, yes. Is that okay. true? I mean, that's probably right, pretty right. true. So get out ahead of it. Yeah. Do something now. You can solve a big problem downstream. Second commandment is prevention advice. That's mm. the whole point of it. Let's let's just uh, if, let's it, let's read the original. You want to do it one more time? But then we'll read sort of a, our our summary of Swedenborg's internal sense of what it means. So great. Let's go for both. Let's here. do it. You shall not utter the name of Jehovah your God unworthily, because Jehovah will not render innocent the person who utters his name unworthily. And so we're thinking what that really, you want to do it? Sure. So as you could boil it down to don't use the goodness and truth I give you to hurt, dominate, or manipulate one another. I cannot purify you if you willingly destroy the purification system. Oh, that's nice. You know? Yeah, that's nice. That, that, that's right. That is not nearly so obscure. Like, of course that matters. Right. And now you see why is there that second part in it? It just makes a lot more sense. Yes, it does. And it fits in the list now. I'm, I'm grateful to know that to have that perspective on it because otherwise it's a little baffling and you might even come to the point where you re reject all the commandments or That's the right. whole bible or something have you rejected this entire show if you're still with us we're going to do our q a now so anything you want to clear up or whatever uh let's get to it okay i think some people are still here so let's take Good. a look. What What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Uh, we'll do our best to try our best to do our best to answer. This is the first one. Uncle Dude 69 asks, God spoke things into existence, such as let there be light. What does Swedenborg say about this in relation to God's name being taken in vain and God's use of sound? Hmm. So fascinating parallel to draw because there is this saying has its own correspondence to it. And yeah. is, does this tie in at all with the matter at hand? He, the first thing that pops to mind is that 
uh, Swedenborg says that sound in and of itself is uncreate, like hmm. you can't create, it's like vibration itself, yeah. you know, every, the, like sound travels by means of a vibration that just exists there throughout the universe. And so it's a little bit like the name of God, it's as if the whole universe in a way reveals something about hmm. the nature of God. That's what comes to mind. I don't know if that's an yeah. answer. Can, can you put that question back up here? Because it's multi-part. Um, so also what it makes me think of is um, that the word is everything Jesus Christ said had to be in this sort of correspondential, like divine truth, the word style. So mm. it, it makes me think about that, that because the word is all about the mm. ways to the qualities of God, which are all this goodness and truth, um, you have this taking, that, there's a, I guess it's just another loop back to like why it's taking God's name in vain when you misuse any of the things described by the, like the things Jesus Christ said, the things the correspondences mean in the Bible. Yeah, and the other thought that comes to mind is that there's um, uh, the, the whole purpose of that speaking, doesn't it say at the beginning, doesn't it start at the very beginning of Genesis, says God created the heavens and the earth. And the whole idea, all the way through Scripture, is this idea of connecting these two together. Yeah. And I think the Word is supposed to exist to connect these two things together. And so taking in vain is to pull them apart. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. to stop anything, any external truth from helping people get to heaven yeah. or external goodness really being genuine and loving or something like that, you know. You think about God at the end of that creation story, it starts with let there be light, uh, it says that God said it was all very good. Right? Yeah. God saw that it was good. And when we go against that, we are sort of uncreating the good thing that God is trying to create. Because mm. all these instances that we're talking about here of using the Lord's name in vain are destroying the good thing. That, because that, that creation story is the description right. of the regeneration of a person or creating us into mm. this angelic mindset. So as we use the name in vain, we're kind of walking the story back. You know, we're, we're preventing God from saying what God wants to say. Right. You know? And, and the, the Jesus even describes himself in the Gospel of John as the Word. You know, in yeah. the beginning was the Word, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, so, in a certain way, that spokenness, that, that language, the, the Word, is what Jesus is. That's what's yeah. born into this world to try to unite the worlds and to yeah. fix the thing again. You know, and so going, and uh, Jesus is the name of God. Yeah. You know, that's the name of God. Yeah. So profaning that or wrecking that for yeah. people or something is a bad thing to do. When I was first reading that question, and I was, I was like, okay, over to you, Jonathan. I was like, I'm, <laughs> I have not, no thoughts about that. But I genuinely... I'm happy something happened in my brain. Uh, I don't know what just happened. Uh, thanks for buying me some that time. That was a but then, deep question, man. But then I really do like some of the things that we were coming up with there. I think it is cool to think about how that all ties in. Great question. Thank you. Let's look yeah. at the next one. Larry Olry asks, if we all love God, why do we have so many religions? Mm. There's a couple of great reasons, according to Swedenborg. One is that basically because we don't know how to get along well. That Swedenborg says, if, well, one thing he says is that if love, if everybody, we talk about love. Right. But if we actually believed that it was important, and we actually, and love being. If that actually was our religion or something. Love of the common good rather than love of. Uh, 
you know, what is ours, then even if there were different sort of external forms and things, it would all be one church. And there wouldn't be this hard line of animosity between them. That's right. Because you would say, even if it's like, okay, you, you have sort of different customs and some differing ideas on God, but I see that you're a good person and we basically agree. There wouldn't be these so many religions, the division that characterizes these differing religions today. Yeah, and one reason that Swedenborg gives to why different religions is that there are different mindsets and different types of people. And if we took that more positive view, we could see that is so cool. Like, I do feel that way, that there's some traditions that really go for the prayer thing or yeah. the meditation. You know, they just yeah. got that beautiful thing or the Native American thing is so great about nature. Yeah. Or what, you know, like there's just, there's cool things about the different ones that if you only had this one slice, you'd sort of be missing hmm. a piece of it. And God, as we talked about in the name show, God is so infinite. How can you contain all that in, in, in one name or, or one particular system? But there's supposed to be love and appreciation between yeah. these things. Like, I think it's so cool the way that you, you know, not all this bloodshed. You know, that was not the point of religion. Bloodshed was not the point. If you go way, way back into the history of this YouTube channel, one of our first shows of Swedenborg in life, when it became something close to the format it is now, this is still a couple years ago, mind you, was called How Different Religions Coexist in Heaven. Oh, and nice, it, right. he was describing there that just like you can't make the body out of all hearts. You no. think the heart is so great. What if we were all hearts? You wouldn't have anything. You got to have teeth. You got to have fingernails. You got to have feet. Tendons. And, and that all, yeah, right. all these different religions and, and spiritual paths make different kinds of people. And, th and you've got to have that variety of people or else you can't, you can't make a high-functioning whole like a human being without these different kinds of people. Yeah, I think people don't realize because sometimes religion sounds like it wants everybody to be in lockstep and all to be right. the same kind of person. But actually, that human form shows that, and it talks about this in the epistles in the New Testament sometimes as well, that it, they're, they all help each other. You know, you can't have a perfect form, Swedenborg says, unless it's made up of different, distinctly different things. Yeah. You couldn't have a human body that was all one thing, as you say. And so that's kind of a cool vision of the way it's supposed to look. Yeah. You would, yeah, you wouldn't think, because re religions have this history of not being able to coexist, and because they make competing truth claims, you sort of see them as an aberration. But n people don't really feel like that about different cultures. That, oh, if everybody no. had the same right. fashion, the same oh, music, the same food. Yeah, wore the same hat or something. Yeah. So if, if religions were more of what they were supposed to be, which is less of this exclusive, rigid, um, tribal thing, then you'd, we could probably see it as more like, okay, this is great. This is just as, just as compatible with a unified humanity as, you know, I want to have different kinds of restaurants in my neighborhood or something. Okay, that's nice. a great question. Let's like take it. a look at the next one. Lee Belt asks, if I transgress the law, sin, and do not harm another or involve that in that sin, what am I guilty of? Mm. So, what do we want to... Uh, so, I would say, I, don't, I can't comment on a particular situation. Like, if I did thing X, because I don't know what thing X is, and it doesn't even matter what thing X is, because what matters is what your intent was, you know, when you're doing it. Right. 
And it doesn't, and, and also the law depends on if it's a good law. Swedenborg talks about business laws and that those can be changed like clothes. Yeah. There have been certainly right. times in history when there were unjust laws and people had to not follow them as a moral imperative. So yeah. I, w- there, I wouldn't say there's a direct spiritual correlation between, you know, I broke a law, therefore it's def- I'm definitely bad for it. Right. And as Swedenborg talks about the union between loving God and loving the neighbor, yeah. because what God loves is the neighbor. So if you love God, yeah. and God wants you to love the neighbor, and that's taught also very clearly in the epistles in the New Testament and in the Gospels, of course. Right. The, um, by linking those two, then you see that uh, really the only sins are sins that cause harm to others yeah. or yourself, I guess yeah. you could say. But, you know, it, yeah. there, there's... there's there's some sort of harm. That's what malum or evil right. means. You know, Can we get the kind of question harm. back up? Um, so, what am I guilty of? And also, the, the concept of guilt. We did a program about this. Like, oh, for our, our forgiveness show. That it's not guilty like... And this is what we are hoping to illustrate with things like that blender example. It's not... The damage done by harmful things is not because you rack up... Uh, a criminal record, and then God and angels punish you for it. Everything right. that is, we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to do it because it degrades our own spiritual health or causes other people to suffer. Right. right? That that. Yeah. So it's not like um, harmful to what community am, or right. It's not something. like what am I guilty of? Like okay, if I didn't do it, if it's really something that didn't um, harm another and also didn't harm yourself, then it's not really something you're guilty of too. But but, like, what am I guilty of? If you did something that didn't touch anyone else but was harmful to you, well, now are you creating a habitual situation? Are you blocking yourself from a right. different kind of mindset? Sooner or later, that, that, yeah. that will deprive somebody of your good service or something like that. And also, I think of the example that Jesus makes, which is so interesting. This comes up a number of times in Scripture, where you get all these rules laid out. And then in Isaiah chapter 1, it'll say, who asked you to come trample my car? Who asked you for all these sacrifices? I didn't ask for that. Yeah. I just wanted you to love one another. Yeah. You know, that's all I was asking for. And Jesus, with all the rules about don't eat on the Sabbath, and then his disciples are eating on the Sabbath, and then you yeah. say, wait, you know, you've got it the wrong way around. You know, this is supposed to be about loving people. This is not about, oh, everybody has to fit into this rigid box of this exact rule the way I understand yeah. it. You know? No, Swedenborg is full of instances where things that even that are not ideal no this is okay in this particular situation this is part of a progression and i think it's a lot like um jesus when he was helping people on the sabbath and the pharisees were all mad at him they were very mad he said hey wouldn't you get a sheep out of a ditch or something? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't say which. You, yeah. Is it is it lawful to do harm on the Sabbath or to do good? You yeah. Know? So right, you're, you're allowed to do good. There's a huge area of where there have been a, a lot of guilt over you know religious condemnation of That's you, right. if you do this particular thing you're evil, um, but it's not that black and white. And I would Sweet, say Swedenborg even talks about this what he calls spurious conscience sometimes where, right. you know, you're feeling hyper-conscientious about something that isn't actually that. You know, if somebody sets up a rule and says, don't step on a June bug or something yeah. like that, you can feel horrible if you step on a June bug. You would anyway. You know, 
Um, but well, Sweden, the example, example. Sweden, no, the example that Swedenborg <laughs> gives, is, or one of the examples Swedenborg gives, is that he was um, traveling outside of Sweden and b was buying stuff in another country, and he was getting all these spirits from hell saying, like, look at you, you're hurting Sweden's economy. Ah, uh, might not stimulating another country's yeah. economy. It might not sound like something we would think about, but he was, like, in the house of noble. He, he was he sort was of responsible the for the Yeah, government. right, right. Those kinds of things, just because we feel bad about something doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. And anything that you're, you're doing because you're not sure is this okay or not okay, is it... It's the intent. The intent is what matters. Right. Right. That's all the time we have for questions today. It's good. We're going to get back. At, we're going to end today. Well, almost end. We've got the ice melter at the end. But we're going to now take a spiritual road trip to see mm. a little bit of these principles playing out throughout spiritual history. This is where we get, we didn't, we've been weird in a certain sense, but not really like Swedenborgy weird. So we're going to take a little trip through some of Swedenborg oh, okay. experiences. And this is talking <laughs> about this practice of mixing uh, um, self-centered evil desires with religious institutional um, oh, yeah, knowledge right. and uh, wisdom. And uh, this was talking about in history, actually, in ancient Egypt, the way that this played out when people would misuse religion or use it for good things. So let's take a look. This is Secrets of Heaven 5223. Egypt was among the kingdoms where the ancient representative church existed. Egypt comes up a lot in the Bible. Yeah. Yep. Egypt specialized in developing the factual knowledge of that church, which had to do with correspondence, representation, and symbolism. Ah, okay. Such knowledge explained what was written in the ancient church's books and what was practiced in its sacred worship. Which is heavily symbolic. I mean, yeah. image of a fish or a half fish, half human or whatever it was. It right. Was. So leading experts in and teachers of that knowledge were called magicians and sages. Mm. So, and these are, uh, this is again a translated word from whatever Swedenborg was using originally. Right. We've got these two categories here. The magicians of that era knew about the spiritual world having learned about it from correspondences and representations known to the church. Ah, so that truth, that information, yeah. told them something about the spiritual world. Many of them, therefore, communicated with spirits. Ah. So Swedenborg is saying, yeah, no, people were talking to spirits then. That was they part of where they... were using yeah. that information to be able to have communication yep. with spirits, which it was kind of created for that, to connect right. heaven and earth. However... But... From whom, from the spirits, they learned sleight of hand, which they used in performing magic, what he calls magic miracles, oh, or illusions. Wild. So they got yeah. connected with these spirits who taught them bad tricks, yes. like magic that they could do. And, and ways in which they could gain power through impressing manipulate people. Manipulate people. Manipulate is a great word for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the ones called sages, or the wise, however, so this is the, you know, sort of the other side of the priestly order, had no interest in such things, but solved problems and taught about the causes of natural phenomena. Mm. These were the main elements of wisdom in that day, and to have ability with them was called wisdom. Yeah, solving problems, and that's, yeah, understanding the physical yeah. reality and everything. So that's a very different, um, that's a very different, two very different uses of the same kind of spiritual access. Same kind of spiritual information. Yeah, that's right. What First Kings reports about Solomon shows that this is so. 
So, Jonathan, would you uh, give us a read of 1 Kings? There's Solomon. Okay, this is 1 Kings 4. Solomon's wisdom multiplied beyond the wisdom of all the children of the East and beyond all the wisdom of the Egyptians that we were just hearing about, Mm. so that he was wise beyond all people. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. This is right out of the Bible. And his songs were 1,005. Moreover, he spoke of woods from the cedars that are in Lebanon to the hyssop that is growing out of the wall. He also spoke of the animal and of the bird and of the creeping thing and of the fishes. So they came from all the peoples to hear Solomon's wisdom from the side of all the monarchs of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. And Swedenborg goes on to say that the mention of Sheba's queen in the same book also demonstrates it. Mm. 1 Kings 10, she came to test him with riddles, and Solomon told her all she asked. There was nothing hidden from the king, nothing he did not tell her. And then back to Swedenborg saying, this clarifies how wisdom was defined at the time and who was called wise or sage, not only in Egypt, but also in other places such as Syria, Arabia, and Babylon. Mm. On an inner level, though, Egyptian wisdom just symbolizes the study of earthly matters and magic symbolizes the study of spiritual matters. Uh-huh. And this is, uh, this is, again, this is, uh, oh, Swedenborg goes on here. He talks about the Magi, you know, that we're following the, oh, the right. star. It says the Christmas people, story. Yeah, the people, the fact that people adapted spiritual studies and therefore receiving revelation were called magicians or Magi. Magi and magician are related, as you can hear there. Can be seen from the Magi who came from eastern parts to Jerusalem, asking where the one born as king of the Jews was and saying they had seen his star in the east and had come to worship him. It can also be seen from Daniel, who is called the chief of the Magi in Daniel mm. 4.9. And right. then this is a quote from Daniel talking about uh, King Belshazzar. You want me or to Belshazzar. Take it? Yeah, go ahead. The queen said to King Belshazzar, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in your father's day, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. So King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, set him up as chief of the Magi, diviners, Chaldeans, determiners. So you can, this wisdom of these, this spiritual stuff can lead to good stuff. Yeah. We're saying don't get rid of it Daniel all. Just was because, an excellent person. Yeah, because yeah. some people are bad with it. But there's this other sense in which there's the abuse of the system, which Swedenborg mm. goes back to here. In a negative sense, magicians mean people who perverted spiritual knowledge and use it to perform magic as is known. So magic, again, being this sort of deception. Examples are the people mentioned in Exodus. Oh, you want to talk about oh, okay, what is this sure. story? This is where Moses goes to meet with Pharaoh, yeah. and he casts down his staff, and it turns into a, a, a serpent. The other magicians do the same thing with their staffs, turn them into serpents, and then his serpent ate their serpent. But it's sort of like a magic... Uh, you know, it's just a, sort of an illusion. A magic is, off. Or isn't something. that a fascinating detail, that story, though, that God is giving Moses the power to do this amazing thing. And then there's other ones. I, I can do that. They I have can the do same that. power. I can do that. After Which, a few plagues, they run out of the ability to keep up with him. But for quite a while, they're keeping well, up with him. And isn't that a picture but of... Two different ways yeah. well, of doing that. that a picture right. of how if you're using spiritual principles for false reasons, you can look just as good as somebody who's really trying to do something good and true. Yeah. It, but it only after time does but it become apparent. He's serving the Lord and they're serving Pharaoh, who was bad. That Pharaoh was bad. Swedenborg writes, magic was simply a corruption and misapplication of laws governing the spiritual world. Ah, so the laws are just like the laws of physics or something else. Th- yes, that but is where... But they can be used for good or bad. Right, that's where magic originated. 
Nowadays, though, this magic is called natural magic. Uh, this would be in Swedenborg's day because no one acknowledges anything above or beyond nature anymore. People deny a spiritual dimension unless it is defined as a deeper natural dimension. Mm. So uh, another way that spiritual truth could either be used for self-serving or manipulation is to just better understand life. Um, and this practice, these magical sort of practices, Swedenborg says, were diminishing. The, the, the back in the days of ancient Egypt, this was really walking the earth. People were able to somehow a lot connect of, to the spiritual world and do that. There's still pockets in our world now, yeah. but it's not sort of widespread over a lot of the civilized world. No, yeah, not in the same way, but but still its analog is in this manipulation through religious ideas of people, which is, as we were saying, all over the place. And Swedenborg says that he found when he went to the spiritual world, there was a lot of it up there. A lot of people who right. had nothing to do with magic here went to the other world and started learning these tricks and doing, you know, putting yeah. hexes and... Yeah, it's not magic like don't learn how to pull a rabbit out of your hat, but what, what he's talking about is learning the Sorcery. system, learning the the rules of the spiritual world and using those to get ahead. It would be the same, or to cause sure. harm. It would be the same thing There's as here. There's a use of truth for an evil purpose. Yeah. If you knew like, oh, hey, certain uh, age groups are vulnerable to this particular telephone scam, so I'm going to run it towards right. them. That's an abuse of the system. That's the same kind of thing. That's the physical abuse of equivalent. Truth. That's right. All right. So that said, let's end on a light note here okay. and get back to people's, uh, what did they? What they like about God. What do they like about God? What name do they like? Yeah. Let's hear your responses right now. Just to recap, we were asking this question at the very beginning of the show. What name or quality of God feels particularly meaningful to you and why? Mm. And let's see what the people had to say about this. Father. Joey D likes oh, Father. Nice. That's nice. Uh, love, Abba, mm. I am. God is like the ocean of wisdom and love, and we are like a drop. Nice. Infinity within infinity. Mm. I frequently use the banishing ritual of the pentagram, where I invoke Yahweh, Adonai, Ehi, and Agla. Peacemaker, I love peace. Mm. God's love for all. So there's a, that's a characteristic there, right? Exactly. Right. God's love for all of us and His divine providence, which I love divine providence, by the way. Ancient of days, meaning God is eternal. That's a cool name, isn't it? Yeah. Favorite name of God is Abba. The idea that God and everything in His creation is centered around consensual and voluntary interactions that benefit both parties. Just like love and truth, so is everything else. That's from mm. Yoko Awesome. Beloved is my favorite. Mm. Love Jesus, my main man, Jay. God, source, being all everything in the first and last, and nothing is made except that he made it. Nice. How everything is so brilliantly connected beyond understanding. That's right. That's right. At this moment, the best aspect of God is the helpful, loving hand. Mm. We use the phrase, I am, all the time without realizing it, so it helps me remind myself, I am a spiritual being. That's cool. Jah, also. I love the word God or Jesus. Mm. Yahshua for Jesus. Jehovah for the Father in heaven. Holy Spirit, too. Guide, which could be a good name as when I am lost, I seek answers in God, which I understand as a loving energy. Love and truth come from God, but guidance sure is needed. Ooh, guidance it, is needed. And that's like this, this, this practical application of love and that's truth. That's right. That's nice. Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Jireh. Nice. God is the creator, redeemer, and savior, and God is love. Mm. I like the Native American name, the Great Spirit. Yeah, that's cool. The name of God I love the most is family. 
both our earthly as well as our spiritual families. Oh, that's nice. One of the most profound references to God for me is who is and who was and who is to come. That's got a good reference. That's great, yeah. yeah. For sure. All of his names and all the wonderful qualities that are tied to his divine providence. We got another right. providence there. Kamisama, the Japanese name for God. It feels good in my spirit. Most of the time, though, I address him as the Lord. Nice. Nice. And it's cool to think about what just feels good when you, when yeah, you say Yeah, yeah, that's right. The most meaningful name of God to me is I am. I never use it in a sentence that ends in a falsity, e.g., I am awful. Oh, I like I that. I only use it in sentences worthy of the character of God, e.g., I am wonderful. Hey, that's happening because yeah, that's you cool. are talking about, you know, this finited vessel for God, for the entirety of God. When right. In, in us. And not uh, misusing. That's right. The I am. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Thank mm. you, everybody, for educating us and, and giving us cool stuff to think about. Love here and how does it process through everyone. And, and this is another reason why there, there are these names and qualities of God, because each of us is going to be able to pick out, have a relationship with, with some of them in ways that others of us wouldn't have seen without these other people. In certain ways, it even gets down to the individual, you know, billions and billions yeah. of people, but everybody will have the slightly different view of God than yeah. anybody else, which is really cool thought. Yeah, because that, that way we can give something to someone else that they yeah. didn't have before. This is what I see, yeah. Yep. And um, there's no good segue. Go you like and subscribe, please? <laughs> if, <laughs> if you like this episode at all, this is like, man, this is what makes it so we get out there on YouTube. This is the fuel, yeah. If you did subscribe, click the bell so you get notifications so you can see our new stuff whenever it comes out. Um, I wanted to say a couple of things about how you can support us. First of all, you may have noticed I have this off the left eye shirt. Oh, look at that shirt. You go to redbubble.com and you search Swedenborg Foundation. You can get your off the left eye gear, which a portion of the sale goes to benefit the Swedenborg Foundation. Also, check us out on Patreon. We are a nonprofit, so even though we can sell a few things, we don't charge you to watch a show. We don't run ads on this show, and that's because we would rather have it be a crowdfunded kind of, hey, if you find it valuable, give a little bit back. Join us there. This is a place where you just give a little bit a month and we kind of give you a thank you. And right now, for a limited time only, we have a special Patreon post that anybody can check out. You don't have to be a donating patron That's or anything. True. And this is, this. do you want to talk a little bit about what this is? <laughs> there was a fun bit that Chelsea Odner came up with with these cards about all these biblical characters as playing cards. Yeah. And so I play a little game of solitaire explaining the inner meaning of these different key biblical characters. It was a fun bit, but it was a bit long for the show. So like 10 minutes too. Ended up on the cutting room floor, but uh, we but we really want you to see it. So just one and all, just just go to this patreoncom off the left eye. You don't have to be a do uh, a donating patron. You can just watch it right there. Yeah. And then we at least like give that thing the light of day cuz it's really cool. Uh, so Great. Thanks so much to everybody for coming out. Um, next next week, what's it? Oh, there's a book. Let me see. Ten Commandments book. Oh, yeah, hey, I didn't right. have that in my. So you may have heard our, our uh, one of our producers, Stuart Farmer, over there. Our <laughs> there's someone director. else here. Um, that's weird. Have you been watching this whole time? Uh, there's <laughs> there's um, this is a book about the inner meaning of the Ten Commandments. The Swedenborg Foundation published. Why wouldn't you want to take a look at that? Um, it has a really cool breakdown of, I think, four different places in Swedenborg's works where he kind of pounds through the Ten Commandments yes. and what they all mean. And some of the content from tonight came from one of these sections. Yeah. So it's a neat little summary that, that's never been put together like this before. This just came out a, a year or two ago from the Swedenborg yeah. Foundation. If you're liking the internal sense of the commandments, this really lets you do all the digging there is to do it's on just, this stuff. It's straight quotes from Swedenborg, just, you know, pure, pure your way through. It's cool. pure Swedenborg experience. If That's you want right. some more of the Swedenborg experience, we're going to be back next week 
where we are explaining. We're doing a little more biblical explanation. This is really? a, this Even is from more than this? yes. This is from the other end of the book, though. We're talking about the Book of Revelation, and the, continuing our series on what is this apocalypse stuff all about, and particularly looking at the souls under the altar. Ooh. Who are they, and how does it? Of Who course, because it's Swedenborg. It's never just about some obscure story. It's about your heart and mind and about universal processes we all go through, and we hope to go through that universal process mm. with all of you next week. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>